Take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 3 this morning. Proverbs chapter 3. If you're not carrying a Bible, and you should be, but if you're not carrying one, there's one there somewhere in front of us uh, where you're sitting. I encourage you to read along. Proverbs chapter 3, we're only going to read two verses, so I'll give you a minute to find it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Some of you can quote this one by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Father God, we're so thankful for the Word, and I pray now as we've enjoyed the music and the fellowship and the worship and and, uh, the time around the Lord's table and all that's taken place here this morning, I pray now that you would direct our hearts and our minds to concentrate and Focus in on your word. And in the last part of our service, I pray, Father, you would speak to us. Fill me with your spirit. Help me today, Lord. I pray that you'd forgive and cleanse and wipe away anything that would uh, hinder my usefulness today. I pray no one would pay any attention to me this day. I pray they'd only hear you speaking through your word. And I pray that you would just uh, change us and help us and and, uh, teach us about this important word today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As I started to say, we have been considering words just for the last few weeks, just a little study in words. And I'm not talking about big words like justification or sanctification or salvation or any of those big theological words. We've been talking about little words, words like kindness and forgiveness and joy and following and obey. We looked at obey just this last week. These are these are not big words. These are little words, though, that have very big meanings and very big importance to us as believers. Last week we did consider the word obey. It's one half of that old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Well, today I want to look at the other half. We're doing it in the opposite order, but I want to look at the other half, and that's the word trust. Trust. And as usual, I think we should start with some definition. What does that word mean, trust? Some of these words are so common to us and so simple that if we try and think of a definition, it it evades us a little bit because we've never really thought about that. We just assume we know what it means. Trust. Well, let's look first of all at the Hebrew. I mean, our text is Proverbs. This is the Old Testament written in Hebrew. The Hebrew is a word which means to, to trust, to be confident, to be unsuspecting. As a matter of fact, there are several words in the Old Testament that are translated trust. That's the most common. That's the one that is used here. But there's a couple of other ones, and some of them add a few various shades of meaning, such as taking refuge in. To take refuge in something is to trust. For example, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust or take refuge. In the Greek, in the New Testament, the most common word is a word which means to hope or to put one's hope. 2 Corinthians 1.10, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us, in whom we trust, in whom we hope, or we place our hope in, that he will still deliver us. First uh, Timothy 4.10, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust, or we hope, and we place our hope in, the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. And, and just like in the Old Testament, there's a few other Greek words as well that are translated into our English word trust. Uh, they add such ideas as confidence, to be assured of, to be persuaded of a thing. All those meanings fall into the idea of trust. But the English definition is the one that I found most interesting. Have you ever looked up the word trust in Webster's? It's 
pretty good definition there. Trust means, quote, assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of something or someone. Assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. It means dependence on something, future or contingent. It means to place confidence in, to be dependent upon, to be confident. And I think those are pretty good definitions when we apply them to what the Bible has to say. So with those definitions in mind, let's think about this little word, trust. And let's see what the Bible says. And let's look at it three different ways. Let's look, first of all, negatively. What are some things the Bible says we cannot trust? And there are a few. Let's look, secondly, positively. What then can we trust? And then, finally, I want to look practically under what circumstances can you trust. But let's start with the negative. What are some things you cannot trust? And the first would be men. Men. My wife's shaking her head that I need to make sure very clearly that she understands I'm using that in the generic way. People. Not just males. Ladies, you're not off the hook on this one at all. Some things you cannot trust. Men. I don't suppose it's unique to us here in America, this thought that if we could just find the right man for the job, everything would be all right. We think that in America, don't we? Every time there's an election cycle comes along, we think that. If we could just get the right man, everything would be okay. It drives a lot of people to the ballot box. If we could just find the right president, if we could just find the right people to serve in Congress, to to sit on our courts, to serve in our government, everything will be okay. But the Bible says that is completely vain thinking. It says it's even foolish thinking. You cannot, should not. Trust in men. Psalm 60, verse 11, give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Psalm 146, do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man, in whom there is no help. Proverbs 25, 19, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. You ever have a bad tooth? It's bad. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. And makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Jeremiah 17:5. I steal the old quote, and I use it often. The best of men are men at best. The best president will sometimes disappoint you. The closest friend will sometimes disappoint you. The dearest lover will sometimes disappoint you. The <laughs> wisest mentor, even the most trusted of pastors, may sometimes disappoint you. I read somewhere where the king of Italy and the king of Bohemia once promised John Huss safe transport and safe custody, but then almost immediately thereafter they broke their promises and he was martyred. Thomas Wentworth carried a document signed by King Charles I, which read, quote, Upon the word of a king you shall not suffer in life, honor, or fortune, unquote. Shortly afterwards, however, his death warrant was signed by the same monarch, Put not your trust in princes were his final words. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes, Psalm 118, verse 9 says. Some have done the math, by the way, and determined that that's the very central Bible, the very very middle verse in all of the Bible, Psalm 118, verse 9. I suppose that that depends on what translation you're holding, but pretty good central thought, isn't it? You can't trust men. You can only trust God. We'll talk more about that last part in a minute, but you can't trust men. Secondly, you can't trust money. Money. Job understood this. 
He said, if I have made gold my hope or said to find gold, you are my confidence. If I have rejoiced because my wealth was great and because my hand had gained much, this also would be an iniquity deserving of judgment, for I would have denied God who is above. Money is one of the most fleeting things in which to trust. Do not trust in oppression nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. He who trusts in his riches will fall. The righteous will flourish like foliage. Paul told Timothy to command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. You can't trust money. You might have riches now. You might be wealthy now. You might have a good job today. Little in the way of financial care now. doesn't mean it will be so tomorrow. What wealth we have, even if we think we're a self-made person, even if we think that we went off to school and we learned and we, we studied and we got ourselves a great job and we've done just wonderful things and, and built all, whatever wealth we have is, has nothing to do with us. The Bible says it all comes from the Lord. It's his blessing. Moses told the children of Israel, you should remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Sadly, the gaining of, accumulating of wealth keeps an awful lot of people from serving the Lord. It keeps some people out of heaven altogether. Jesus warned that trusting in money and wealth was a stumbling block that was nearly insurmountable. He used very strong language. Jesus answered, the disciples were astonished at his words, and Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. He didn't say it was impossible, but it's pretty hard. You can't trust in men. You can't trust in money. Number three, you can't trust in strength. Strength. I recall a conversation between myself and a former employer it was on the eve of an election, a presidential election, and we were wringing our hands over what was going to happen. And in the middle of all this, he smiled and he said to me, you know, it doesn't really matter, Bill, what happens, because it'll still be America tomorrow. And I understood what he was trying to say. He was trying to encourage me. But you know what? There's an awful lot of people who think that. I think oftentimes we think that as Americans, and there's nothing really true about it. There's no reason to believe it. We think because we are the greatest country in the world, we think we have the greatest military that is on the face of the earth, the most productive of industry, the brightest of minds, the most righteousness of purpose, and we'll be here forever. But there's no way, reason to believe that. We think we can never fall. We think we can never be defeated. But the Bible says no king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. In just a few weeks, we're going to have a prophecy conference here. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung is going to be with us, and he's going to be speaking for three days on the topic of America in prophecy. I hope you've got those dates marked on your calendar, July 7th through the 9th, because I honestly don't think you're going to want to miss any of it. He really is very, very, very good. But I confess that I wonder about his topic, America in prophecy. You see, I've read my Bible a couple times. I've read every prophetical verse that's in my Bible couple times. And I confess that I don't think America's mentioned in there anywhere. The only verse that you might, in my mind, uh, find America in is verses like in Zechariah where it says that every nation gathers together against Israel. Okay, if America's still around at the time, which is possibly not true, uh, then uh, maybe they're in that verse. But I see nothing else. See, I've always had a theory. 
It's just a theory, and he and I will probably talk about this over the dinner table sometime while he's here. But uh, my theory is, uh, is this, the reason that America is not mentioned in prophecy. I mean, think about this. How could it be? We're the greatest nation on earth. How could we not be involved? We're the most influential nation on earth. How could we not be involved? When this greatest of world events takes place, how can the greatest nation in the world not be there? But it's no mention of it whatsoever. Unless we're not there anymore. Unless America is gone. Or unless America has become irrelevant. Which, frankly, that's my theory. I think that's what's going to happen with our country. I think we are not, want, not nearly as great as we once were. I think we're being eaten alive from within. I think we're being destroyed from within. And I think that when the time comes, we'll just be irrelevant on the world stage. At least that's my theory. Uh, Alexis de Tocqueville wrote way back at the beginning of America's history. He said, America is great because she is good. If America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. As long as we're murdering all of our babies, as long as we're doing the things that we're doing, as long as we can't even figure out what bathroom we're supposed to go to, America's not good. The prophet Obadiah warned, The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, you who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? You cannot. You dare not trust in strength. And number four, so you can't trust in money, you can't trust in men, you can't trust in strength. Number four, you can't trust yourself. You can't trust yourself. In the last days of his ministry, Jesus warned the disciples that he would soon be betrayed by one of them. And in his ever-present, overconfident way, Peter said, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Not me. You can count on me. Of course, it was not long after that that Peter found out he couldn't trust himself because he who had so bravely proclaimed he would never fail the Lord denied him three times. The Apostle Paul warned the self-confident Corinthian Christians, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That means my heart is deceitful. Above all things, I can't trust myself. That means your heart is deceitful above all things. You can't trust yourself. We oftentimes hear the old words, the old saw, trust your conscience, let your conscience be your guide. It's terrible advice. It really is. It's not biblical. According to the Bible, you can't rely on your own mind, your own heart, your own goodness, your own wisdom, your own intellect, anything that is your own. You will lead yourself astray. You cannot trust yourself. Proverbs Sums it up. He says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoever walks wisely will be delivered. So you cannot trust in men. You cannot trust in money. You cannot trust in strength. You cannot trust in self. Is there anything we can trust? And you know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to say. You can always trust God. Always. Trust in the Lord and do good. Psalm 37, verse 3. Dwell in the land and feed on his Faithfulness, we sang this morning, great is thy faithfulness. We can always trust in the Lord. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is your help, your shield. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, Jehovah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. You can always trust God. Always. Always. You can trust what he says. You can always trust his word. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. You can trust who he is. 
You can always trust his character. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust you in the presence of the sons of men. You can always trust God. Always. Trusting God brings security. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Trusting in God brings safety. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. Trusting God brings peace. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trusting God brings blessing. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Trusting God brings joy. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Joy. Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. You can always trust God. Always. Job trusted God. Job trusted him through thick and thin, through prosperity and want, through health and illness, through good times and bad. He never stopped trusting God. It's one of the more amazing stories in all of your Bible. Job trusted God. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Hallelujah. David trusted God. Even when King Saul was chasing him around the countryside, trying to kill him at every turn. He prayed, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge. You can always trust God. Always. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust him. You can always trust God. Say that with me. You can always trust God. Now let's make it personal. I can always trust God. Say that with me. I can always trust God. And that leads me to the final thing that I want to talk about. I want to talk, look at this word trust negatively and say, what can't we trust? Positively and say, what can we trust? I also want to ask ourselves this kind of practical. Under what circumstances can you trust him? And let me just suggest a few practical times you can trust him. You can trust him for your salvation. You can trust him with your soul. This is the foundational aspect. Forget everything else I'm going to say if you're not going to listen to this part. If you don't have this part down, nothing else matters. Trust him with your salvation. Salvation is simply trusting what God says, trusting what Jesus did, trusting that it is just that simple when it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Remember that Webster's definition I quoted you a while ago? Trust means assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. It means dependence on something future or contingent. It means to place confidence in, to depend on, or to be confident. And you can do that with Jesus Christ. You can place your confidence in him. On what he did on the cross. It is sufficient to pay the price for your sin. Every one that you have ever committed and every one that you ever will commit. You can be confident in his promises if you'll just believe and trust him. That's what it means. Trust him for salvation and he will save you forever. Another way we can trust him is trust him when we are hurting. Hurting. We got any hurting people in this room today? I will never forget when my son Joshua lay dying from cancer. And I know a lot of you haven't, don't, don't know my son because they, they don't attend here anymore, but those of you who do would look at him today and say, wow, he looks like the picture of health. I don't know what you're talking about, preacher. But there was a day. There was a day when he lay in a hospital bed and Beth and I walked away convinced, absolutely convinced, he, we would never see him again. He was dying. 
He almost died of cancer, and then he almost died from the complications from the chemotherapy. That was even worse than the cancer. Or then there was the day that my wife died. I sat alone in my home, thought about it. Hurt. Those things hurt. Kathy's told me she went through the same thing when her husband died of cancer. It hurts. And pain can make us doubt. Pain can make us run from God. Despair, lash out in our pain at others and at God. Sean, Brother Sean is fond of saying hurting people hurt people. I think it's a good quote. They lash out. Sometimes that lashing out goes toward God. But you know what? We can trust him. Even then. Even in the midst of pain. Trust him. We can trust him another time. We can trust him when we're intellectually questioning. You ever have questions? I mean, we like to say we're Bible-believing Christians. We like to say that we believe the Bible is the Word of God and that every word of it is absolutely true. And it is. It's inerrant. It's infallible. It's perfect. We believe all that. It's true. You ever have any questions? Of course you do. Unless you're going to sit here and lie to me, you have questions. I've been reading the Bible since I was, I don't know, 10 years old or something like that. I have questions. There's nothing wrong with questions. And believe me, your questions are not original with you. We all like to think that we've come up with something to finally the big stumper. We got something that's going to stump God. No, we don't. There's nothing that you could think of hasn't been thought of a thousand times, a million times before. Men and women have had questions about the faith, about God, about the Bible, about salvation, about eternity, about everything related to Christianity for thousands of years. You are not unique. But you're also not wrong to have questions. There's nothing wrong with it. Somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, you have to say, I don't understand it all, but what I do understand, I believe. And I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God is good, that what he asks of me makes sense, that what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary was epic and demands a response. So I'll believe and I'll trust as best I can and ask God for help with what I don't understand. You can trust him, even with questions. You can trust him when absolutely nobody else does. America used to be a Christian nation. Used to be when we'd put out surveys about what people believe in this country. Christianity was at the top of the list. That's no longer the case. You know what's at the top of the list now? The nuns. And I'm not spelling that N-U-N-S. N-O-N-E-S. The top, the number one thing that people say they believe is nothing. The nuns. What a sad commentary on our failure is the Church of Jesus Christ to reach our world. But the real question is, if nobody believed, if nobody believed, would you? What if you did stand alone? Fred and I were talking about uh, the Noah's Ark. He was saying that he just went and saw Noah's Ark the other day, though, the Ark exhibit. What if you found yourself like Noah, alone? Against the whole culture, against the whole world, could you still trust? What if you found yourself like Elijah? Elijah came to a place in his life where he thought he was the only one left. He said, Lord, I am the only one left preaching your word. He was wrong, but that's how he felt. I'm it. Nobody left. And yet he still stood. Would you? You can trust him when nobody else does. Those guys found they could trust him, even if they were the only ones. You can too. You can trust him when your eyes don't. You can trust him when you have to trust in spite of what you see. This is a good thing for young folks to remember. 
you know, young folks going to public schools, going off to public colleges. We just had eight kids, I think, graduate and recognize them the other day. You go off to those schools and you listen to brainwashing with supposed scientific evidence that cannot be discarded, modern, thinking that disproves God. You go there, you're going to be bombarded with seemingly incontrovertible evidence that the earth is millions of years old, that everything came from nothing, that all of us evolved out of nothing, and God had nothing to do with it. It all came about by chance. None of that's true. But the evidence is going to be presented to you as if it is. And your eyes may tell you it's all true, but it's not. You see, we walk by faith, not by sight. And we can and must trust even when doing so requires ignoring what we see. C.S. Lewis wrote, To love involves trusting the beloved beyond the evidence, even against much evidence. No man is our friend who believes in our good intentions only when they are proved. And Philip Yancey wrote, I have learned that faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. You can't trust him in spite of what your eyes see. You can trust him when you're overwhelmed by troubles. There are times, you know, when troubles are piled high. You ever felt like that? When you feel so overwhelmed with troubles that you just feel crushed. I like the book Pilgrim's Progress by Bunyan. I always recommend Christians read that book. I, some, some folks find it hard to read. It is an old book. It was written in, I don't know, when did he live? The 1600s, the 1700s, something like that. So if you get the original you know, it's in old English, and it's hard to read. But this, it's been updated. You can find one in modern English. But I just, I just love that book. And in that book, it's, it's telling the story of a fellow by the name of Pilgrim. It's an allegory of the Christian life, and Pilgrim is going along through the Christian life. And there comes a day when he meets Apollyon on the road. And Apollyon, of course, in the Bible is another name for Satan. He meets the adversary on the road. And he is attacked, and Apollyon is just literally beating the tar out of him, just flailing away. And there's one point where, John, where Bunyan said that, that Apollyon was hurling darts as thick as hail. I've been there. Have you ever been there? When it seemed like the darts were coming just as thick as hail. We've seen a little hail around here lately, and we know what that means. Job is an example of being overwhelmed with troubles. He trusted. Some in this room have buried a spouse. Some have felt the fear of cancer. I will never forget my daughter-in-law, Allison's words. We had just found out that Josh had cancer. They were just married. They were very young, just married. And we were over at their home, and what do you say? What are you trying to comfort and help? And uh, I remember her. Tears streaming down her face. And she said, cancer is such an ugly word. And she said, it's just not fair. And many in this room can, can agree with that because you've experienced it. It's trouble. Some have watched relationships crumble in this room. Some have watched families fall apart. Some have struggled to pay their bills and found themselves buried under debt. But even when we are overwhelmed by troubles, we can trust God. 
Now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Psalm 46, verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. A.B. Simpson said, You will never learn faith, trust, in comfortable surroundings. Sometimes we need those troubles. So we can trust him when overwhelmed by troubles. We can trust him when we made a mess of things. You ever make a mess of things? Here's a shocker. You and I didn't stop sinning when we got saved. Are you aware of that? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. The Bible tells me, and I was just sharing this with somebody the other day, there's really three tenses to our salvation. You know, when we trusted Jesus Christ, we were saved at that very moment from the penalty for sin. We'll never stand before God for our sin. That was taken care of at the cross. Past tense. There's a present tense aspect of salvation, which is all throughout this life. It's called sanctification, if you want the big word in the Bible. All through this life, we're being saved progressively from the power of sin. Hopefully, we're getting closer and closer and more Christ-like as we live this life. But we're never really delivered from the very presence of sin in this life until we get to glory. That's future tense. When we get there, it's gone. No more sin. Hallelujah. But I don't know about you. Here along the the way in this life where it's still present in me, I've made a royal mess of things more times than once. And probably you have too. I've screwed up in epic fashion more than one time. I've sinned magnificently. I've brought a heap of trouble in my own life, and probably you have too. But here's the amazing thing. You can still trust him, and I can still trust him, even when I have messed up, even when you have made a royal mess of things. He never failed me when I failed him, and he'll never fail you either. You can trust him. Even You can trust his word. Joshua told the children of Israel, Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Amazing. That's the Bible. That's the word of God. Yesterday we were supposed to have a campfire fellowship at my house. We had to cancel it because of weather. And I really, really, really struggled with that decision. Do you know why? Because I looked at the weather forecast a couple of days before. You know what it said? It said it's going to start pouring rain right about the time we start, and it's going to continue right until the end. And then I looked at it the next day because I didn't trust the weather forecast. So I looked at it the next day, and it said it's going to start raining right about 5 o'clock, and it's going to pour right until the end. And then I looked at it just yesterday. I, I even sent out a note. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll make the decision at noon. I looked at it. I kept looking at it right up until noon. Every few minutes, I'd look at the weather forecast, and every time it said it's going to start raining at 5 o'clock and go all the way until eternity. It never stopped raining again. <laughs> Finally, at noon, I decided to cancel it. You know why I struggled so with that? Because you can't trust the weather forecast. Anybody who trusts the weather forecast has apparently never paid attention to it. I told the story here not too long ago. I'm sure I've probably shared it multiple times of a day, not in the, in the distant past. I was working at Hiram at the time. Uh, it was summertime. I wanted to ride my motorcycle to work in the morning, and I got up, and I looked at the weather forecast, and here's what it said. Zero percent chance of rain today, and sunny. That's what it said. So I got myself all ready. I put my motorcycle suit on. I walked out into my garage. I got all, all the stuff loaded up on a motorcycle, and I punched a button for the garage door and looked out on an absolute downpour. You cannot trust the weather report. You just simply can't. It's not trustworthy. But that's not true of the Bible. There's nothing like the Bible. 
it has never failed. And it never will. If you're one of those people who watches the fools on YouTube who will tell you all the different supposed errors in the Bible, let's sit down and talk. Because all of those things are easily answerable. It has never failed. And it never Well, you can trust his word. You can trust his promises. This is kind of a subset of that, but Beth's favorite verse was Jeremiah 29:11. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Kathy's favorite verse is Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My favorite verse is Jeremiah 33:3. Call unto me and I'll answer thee. Surely great and mighty things thou knowest not to promises. All of them are promises. Do you have a promise like that that you just kind of carry around and pull it out whenever you need it? Because you can trust his promises. They're always true. Always. You can trust his character. This is the last one. You can trust his character. I learned a lot of things when Phil Ross was, was with us here. Uh, he had a lot of wisdom. I think he might still have a little. And at one time I was struggling to remember or struggling to help a uh, member of the congregation who was going through some great trial. I don't even remember what the thing was. I don't remember who it was. I just remember he and I were together counseling with this person and trying to help them through something. And, and we were struggling to bring Scripture to bear and to help in some way. And finally, Phil, just you know, we kind of were throwing up our hands, and we, we weren't sure really how to help this person. And Phil said, no matter what happens, you can always remember that God is good. And that seemed like such a simple thing at the time, but I've never forgotten it. And it has served me well ever since in my own life and in talking to others as well. It's such a simple concept. God is good. When things don't look good, it seems like we're going through something bad. We can still trust God's goodness, God's character. He is a good God. He will never do anything but good. He is always good. We can trust that. God is too wise to make a mistake, too good to do evil, one man said. I began today's message quoting that old song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I read where a little boy came home from Sunday school one time, and his mother said, What would you do in Sunday school today? And he said, We sang. She said, What you sang? He said, We sang, Trust and Okay. <laughs> That's a pretty good summation of it, isn't it? We can trust. If we're Christians, everything's okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Well, let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. Thankful for this word, this little word. It has so much meaning for us. Help us, Father, to trust you. And forgive us when we don't. Forgive us when we struggle. Forgive us when our eyes deceive us, when our, our own heart deceives us. Forgive us when we, uh, we fall into the trap of trusting men or money or, or any other of the things that we shouldn't trust. But help us, Lord, to know that no matter what it is you bring us through, no matter where you take us, no matter what trials we're asked to endure, no matter what mistakes we make and no matter how much we mess up our own lives, yet, Lord, we can always trust you. I pray we'd believe it. I pray everybody in this room would believe it. I pray if there's anybody who has never yet trusted you in the very first way uh, for their salvation, 
Father, save their soul today. I pray you would break their heart right now, that they would recognize how simple this is, that all they need to do is call upon the name of the Lord and believe and be saved. And I pray they would be. And I pray also for Christians. Lord, I know there are some here who are going through things. I know there are some who are struggling in areas. And so I pray today you'd help us all to just determine right now in this place, as we sing, that we're going to trust you. I pray if there are some who need to come and step out as we sing and and just come to the front here and kneel and, and let somebody pray with them and help them find the assurance of their salvation that they could know for certain they're saved and trust you in that way, I pray they do that. I pray if there are Christians who just need to come and pray and say, Lord, I have, I have not been trusting you as I should. I need to get back to trusting you. Whatever it is, I pray folks would come as we sing, as we wrap up our service. Use this time in Jesus' name.